At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Nightcap with Tim Murray and Super Bowl champion Sean King on VSIN, the sports betting network. of the nightcap alongside Femi Abebefe sitting in for Sean King. I am Tim Murray. We're live from the Circus Sportsbook in downtown Las Vegas. The American League victors for the ninth consecutive time in the Midsummer Classic. The under hitting for the 13th time in the last 16 All-Star Games. 3-2 the final score. And John Carlos Stanton from the Yankees, your MVP, a two-run homer in the fourth inning. He cashes at plus 950 if you played that prior to tonight's action. All right, let's get into some college football. I was out walking the uh, the pup late last night mm-hmm. and listening to our next guest on his podcast, Bet the Board, uh, where they broke down in-depth the Pac-12, and that's what we're jumping into here tonight. It is Todd Furman, frequent guest of our show. Uh, Todd, always appreciate it, and we'll start with the team that makes me vomit in my mouth from time to time. Uh, that would be the <laughs> USC Dirty Trojans. Um, but... You know, a lot of buzz in Los Angeles, no doubt, with the uh, bringing in of Lincoln Riley, Jordan Addison, Caleb Williams. The list goes on and on of of the you know transfers they brought in. Travis Dye from Oregon. Um, is it is the love a little too high for this USC team? There's nine and a halfs out there on the win total at DraftKings. They're now the betting favorite to win this conference. What's your pulse on this USC team? Are they getting too much love, or is it rightfully so uh, where they're priced? Well, first things first, you make those comments too often, Tim. You're not going to exactly endear yourself to my better half who lives and dies with Trojan football on the weekend, much like you do with the Fighting Irish. But I think when you look at this win total at 9.5, that's a fair reflection for where USC can be. But this is a season that can go one of two ways. Lincoln Riley gets all of these disparate pieces to gel, and he gets full buy-in from what's essentially become transfer you this spring in through the summer, or it completely derails because you have a number of players pulling in a variety of different directions. And we've started to see a little bit of skepticism manifest itself in the media with Jordan Addison saying, hey, wait a second, I'm not exactly getting what was promised to me through my NIL package making the move from Pittsburgh. And I think when you look up and down this roster, there's no doubt USC from a starting 22 standpoint checks all the boxes that you'd want for a team that's rightfully favored to win the conference. But if there are any injuries at key positions, most notably to Caleb Williams, who we've seen his odds come down uh, to win the Heisman from upwards of 12 to 1 in that 5.5-6 range, this Trojans team can be hard-pressed to get out of their own way. 
And I look at their schedule. I think, you know, Rice, obviously, a layup in the season opener. I don't think Stanford will be able to push them. But we'll get a much better indication of exactly what USC can bring to the table in back-to-back weeks, a non-conference game against Fresno State Week 3, and a trip up to Corvallis Week 4, where their defense will get tested, in my opinion. So I would lean under the total for USC. I definitely wouldn't bet them to win the conference, gentlemen, at a price anything less than 2-1. to one. Well, Todd, USC is getting all the hype, but the defending conference champions, the Utah Utes, are right behind them at plus 250 now. A lot of people like Utah, what they've been able to bring back on both sides of the ball there. Kyle Whittingham, that's a lot of stability there with that Utah Utes program here. Do you think Utah could possibly be a dark horse college football playoff team or maybe just look at them to win the Pac-12 and repeat? You know what, Femi, I'm not willing to buy into them as a playoff team only because I think the Pac-12, you're going to have to run the table. And if Utah were to finish 11-1, and I'm not sure their resume would give them enough clout to get into that discussion. And when you look at the Utes' schedule, this is a team that I have favored in 11 of 12 games. Now, they're going to be short favorites, of course, week one at Florida under a field goal as the number sits right now. And arguably, their other most difficult game will come the second to last week of the season when they go up to Austin to take on Oregon. Very interesting to see what the Ducks will look like that late in the campaign. But this is also a Utah team that's got to replace some key contributors, most notably at the linebacker position, where they don't reload like the Alabamas and Georgia. So when you lose a first-round pick in Devin Lloyd, even as good as Morgan Scally's defenses have been, I have some real questions and reservations about what that group will look like. Now, Cam Rising getting all sorts of buzz. I'm not sure I'm willing to buy into him as a Heisman contender, given the fact that Utah wants to be a run-first offense behind TV and Thomas. But this schedule sets up extremely favorably. If they can go down to the swamp and get a win, uh, clearly it's manageable going all the way through to their bye week with road games in Tempe against Arizona State and then a road date in the Rose Bowl against UCLA. So I like Utah over their win total at 8.5, but I'm not sure I'm running to bet them to win the conference as I think the price is a fair reflection, nor would I be willing to take a price for them to be included in the college football playoff. We're talking to Todd Furman. Make sure to check out the podcast, Bet the Board. They've been putting out previews uh, pretty regularly, he and Payne Insider, and uh, most recently on the big uh, on the Pac-12, I should say. Um, do you think, Todd, with the fact that they have eliminated divisions now and it's just the top two teams, does that hurt a Utah or a USC or, or maybe even an Oregon? Because you know, if you're Utah, right, you got that October 15th showdown. You go ahead and you win that game. You feel like you're smooth sailing, and now you might have to go and play USC again here in Las Vegas. Now they were able to beat Oregon twice last year, so you know maybe that doesn't affect Utah like other programs. But I'm curious your thoughts if you think that does affect uh, the mindset of a better when it comes to looking into the futures for the Pac-12. Yeah, it definitely does, and it should uh, as far as pricing is concerned because you won't have the days where a conference champion or at least a division champion, I should say, gets crowned in early November and they can play out their stretch like we've seen with Georgia, for example, in the SEC East more often than not over the last couple of years. So going to be a lot to be decided. You're going to see a number of permutations in play if teams are separated by a game late in the year. I do think it adds a level of intrigue, and I think as a fan standpoint, you love to see the two best teams doing battle, even if it means a rematch for a game you'll see earlier in the season, because as we know, the Big 12, the only league in the country that gets a full round robin. So oftentimes, if there isn't that balance of power between the East and West, you can't necessarily assess these teams. So from a betting standpoint, I think it hurts some of the value you'd be able to extract early on in the year. But I think as a college football fan, you love to see it and get a lot more meaningful football late into November. 
All right, Todd, I come from the Seattle area, so you know where this next question is going. My beloved Washington Huskies, a year ago, absolutely a disaster. They went 4-8, and 8th eight, eight in the Pac-12. Now it's a new head coach in Kellen DeBoer, possibly a new quarterback with Michael Penix Jr. as well. 14-1 to 1 over at DraftKings. Can the dogs bounce back in 2022? The win total sitting at 7.5. Oh, well, Femi, as Tim can attest to, we wanted to send fruit baskets and all sorts of other gifts to Jimmy Lake for the team he put out there week in, week out last year. And it's not because we looked to bet against the Huskies. We knew we could bet their first half under because the defense was going to be good enough, especially with NFL caliber players in the secondary, and an offense that was going to run the ball on first and 10, and they were definitely going to run it again on second and nine, Mm -hmm. setting up third and long for whatever quarterback was under center. I love the hire of Kalen DeBoer. I think he instantly changes the culture that you're going to see in Seattle with an offensive mind. His comments this offseason talking about the biggest part of his job was re-recruiting the players that were already on campus and clearly going out and bringing in a quarterback he's familiar with in Michael Penix that led Indiana's offense back in 2019. You have to imagine he's going to be given the benefit of the doubt uh, over Dylan Morris and, of course, Sam Heward, who came in with the most decorated of recent Washington quarterbacks. Offensive line, of course, gets a little bit of an uplift as well as Jackson Kirkland comes back to be the anchor there. I think the running back position is extremely deep and a little bit underrated. And I believe the wide receiving room with Romeo Dunze and Jalen McMillan can actually exceed some people's expectations. My big concern is defensively, though, because I don't think you have players of the same ilk of McDuffie and Gordon in the secondary. Can they generate pressure up front? If they're able to do that, this is a team that's a little bit of a dark horse up north. And I really believe there should be a high level of optimism for the direction that this program is headed, albeit we're not quite sure what conference they're going to be in two years from now. <laughs> we're talking about another again. discussion. Yeah, we're talking once again to Todd Furman. Well, the team, there's Washington and then their rival, uh, Oregon. They, they're, they're calling up the Big Ten on, uh, on a regular basis. Hey, can we come over too? Uh, and they said, just, just sit back and just wait there, big fella. Uh, but that said, uh, a new coach in, in Oregon and Dan Lanning, uh, Bo Nix comes over from, uh, from Auburn and they open up the season, uh, you know, neutral site, as I put up air quotes, uh, in, in Atlanta against Georgia, where they're about a 17 and a half point underdog. Win total sitting around eight and a half for Oregon. You know, is this a situation because all the talk right now, at least nationally, when you look at this conference, it's USC, obviously, and then people will say, whoa, 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 Utah's really good too. No one seems to be talking about the Ducks. Is that rightfully so? Or do you think that this Oregon team maybe is is better than some people anticipate? Yeah, if you believe that'll be a neutral crowd in Atlanta for the season (laughs) opener, I love the way this game is being built. Pretty sure the three of us will be able to count all the people wearing green and gold uh, in attendance for that opener. And you look at Oregon, hey, look, I see that game kind of as a free roll. You're talking about them going in as a 17, 17 and a half point underdog. But a lot of these same guys were on the roster where nobody gave them credit for being able to go into Columbus and pull off the outright upset last year. So while it's not quite apples to apples, I think this is a great test for Dan Lanning, who clearly will know that Georgia personnel inside and out. But when I look at Oregon's schedule, the game that stands out to me as what will define who this team is going to be isn't the game against Georgia. It's actually the home date against against BYU Week 3 before they kick off conference play. If you're able to get that win and you're starting to see Bo Nix grasp the offense that Kenny Dillingham wants him to run, this team has all the makings 
of a conference champion. I like what they bring back defensively. Noah Sewell may be a little bit overrated, but I think if Justin Flo can stay healthy, this is a linebacking core that's going to be able to mask some of their other deficiencies while the secondary gets up to speed. From an offensive line standpoint, they're outstanding, especially by Pac-12 standards. And if I was trying to make a case for a team to win the conference championship, given a lot of the market pricing, this would be the side I'd be looking to back at 3-1. to one. Uh, I'm a big believer in what's going on up there. And I think Bo Nick. We started to see him get more confident last year, was a little bit undersold leading that Auburn offense, and I really believe reuniting with his old offensive coordinator is going to pay massive dividends. Hey, Todd, we got 20 seconds. Give us a, a sleeper you like in the Pac-12. For me, it's Oregon State. Big believer in Jonathan Smith. I think that offense is going to be electric, and if they get a semblance of defense, they're going to be in the thick of things and capable of upsetting a team or two, but a team you're going to want to look to bet over more often than not throughout the course of the season. He's Todd Furman. Check out the podcast in-depth breakdown of the Pac-12. Also some BYU and Notre Dame nuggets in the most recent podcast. Todd, great stuff as always, man. We appreciate it. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. There he is, Todd Furman. That's Femi Abebefe. I'm Tim Murray. More college football on the other side. To learn more. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Nightcap on VSIN, the sports betting network. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of CityCasts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. There are CityCasts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, LA, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and now Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local CityCast wherever you get your podcasts. Alongside Femi Abebefe, I am Tim Murray. It is the nightcap here on VEASAN. Let's chat at some Pac-12 with uh, Todd Furman and... Yeah, it's interesting, uh, Femi, and I haven't done, I'll be honest, I haven't done my complete deep dive on the Pac-12 yet. I've made, I haven't made any bets outside of me betting Sean that Utah would beat USC at home. <laughs> um, I haven't really. Is that a straight up bet or is that? Oh, yeah. But the point. Oh, yeah. I got. Oh, God. It's, it's, what, it's, it's <laughs> a fun thing. I also have uh, BYU straight up against South Florida week one. So There you go. Congratulations. Love you, Sean. In advance. Yeah. Sorry, Sean. Um, but I do think there is, and I, the tricky part for Oregon in playing their win total over, which is set at eight and a half, is their non-con is actually really challenging. They, mm. They're going to lose week one. I, I know they won at Ohio State, folks. I get it. But yeah. they're going to lose week one at, against Georgia. 
I was going to say at Georgia. It basically is at Georgia. Might as well play in Athens. And then week three, you've got you know BYU. They come to Autzen, but if they do go one and one, to Todd's point, now it would be nice. We can't re look into the future, but if they go one and one, then you're sitting in a pretty good spot because the road games I think are manageable. Uh, Wazoo has the you know transfer from Incarnate Word Cam Ward, who's I think going to be a, a a fun player to watch. But mm-hmm. you know Oregon certainly will be a favorite there. Uh, they get UCLA at home. They don't have USC. They get Utah at home. You know the the Civil War will be a a, a tricky one. You know on a Friday at Oregon State in Corvallis with a team that's better. But Cal and, and Colorado were both very down. Arizona, I think, is improved, but still, you know, they're in that three to four win range. Yeah. So the road games certainly are manageable for Oregon this year. And I, I do think, you know, this is a squad that first year head coach in Dan Lanning, uh, defensive minded, takes over from Mario Cristobal. They bring in uh, Dillingham to be the offensive coordinator. And what, you know, uh, what Todd alluded to is, you know, that's a guy that basically handpicked Bo Nix to come out and, and be their guy. So, Oregon intrigues me uh, a little bit in this conference. In a conference that I feel like everybody's just assuming it's Utah and USC that'll meet here in Vegas in early December. Now, are you buying Bo Nix? Because I don't know if I can get there. <sighs> um, I've seen too much of, yeah. the, of the of the bad decisions. The it's to me, it just feels like the hype is too much on a guy that hasn't really played to that hype. I guess is a way to say it because I've never been impressed with him since he stepped foot at Auburn and now that he's in Oregon, I just, I'm going to have to see it to believe it with him. Yeah. And I think that's fair. Um, you know, with the familiarity of Dillingham, who was his quarterbacks coach in 2019, he then left and went to Florida state where he was the OC there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe that led to some issues there for Bo Nix, but I think that's fair. And once again, I, I haven't played any futures or anything like that in the PAC 12, but I, I just do feel like Oregon, I talked about this with them all over the weekend you know, Oklahoma, in my opinion, now I know there's differing opinions on the network, and I saw Matt Humans, you know, put in an under nine and a half. I played over nine wins for Oklahoma mm-hmm. based off of the fact that I felt like because of the Lincoln Riley buzz and Caleb Williams defection and, um, you know, uh, Mario Williams leaving too, that people were just kind of anticipating a big step back for Oklahoma. Certainly is possible. I think the Big 12 is, is better this year. Um, but, yeah, I, with the nine giving me the buffer that if they do land nine to three, it's a it's a it's a push. That was the way I kind of looked at it, and I thought the whole you know thing swing swung similar to Oregon on the week three matchup against Nebraska. But I, I do want to stick with the Pac-12 because at DraftKings right now, the most bets have come in on Caleb Williams to win the Heisman Trophy, and. It's actually not the most bets. It's actually the biggest handle. So mm-hmm. you're talking about the most money is currently in on Caleb Williams at 12.8% of the handle. Will Anderson, a linebacker, who's mm. an absolute monster uh, for Alabama, he's at 12.3% of the handle. C.J. Stroud, Ohio State's quarterback, sitting with the uh, third most handle. Then Jackson Smith and Jigba, and the list goes on uh, from there. What's interesting, there's a name missing from this list. Oh, yeah? The reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Bryce Young, <laughs> is not on this list of most of the highest handle at DraftKings. But what do you make of this? I, I do feel like, look, I think Caleb Williams has the potential to be really good. He played seven games last year, and as the year went on, he started to struggle. Potential is the word right there with Caleb Williams because the struggling 
get this. I had an Oklahoma to win the Big 12 last year ticket. So I was dialed in to a lot of Sooners games, unfortunately. And when they made the switch to Caleb Williams, especially how he played in Red River mm-hmm. or whatever the hell they're calling it now, he was so good to where I think everyone's like, oh, my gosh, here we go. This is the guy that was promised. But to me, the way he was playing, he was just as erratic at times as Spencer Rattler was. I, I even tweeted out during one of their games. It might have been the Baylor game. Or I'm not sure which one it was. But I was like, is this guy just Spencer Rattler, but people just like him? <laughs> like, is he just a likable version of this? Because I didn't see the guy – to where everyone is just buying in on, oh, Caleb Williams is going to be the future of college football. To me, there's a lot of question marks around him, not just with for the win the Heisman, but with him leading this USC team. Maybe he progresses now that he's played some games, he's got that under his belt, now he's going through an offseason of being the starter, being the guy out there, Lincoln Riley, they have that, that continuity. But from what I saw at Oklahoma, I'm not fully bought in on Caleb Williams. And now you're talking to me about 7-1. to one. No, I'm going to go somewhere else with my money. Yeah, and you got to remember, okay, so he had the great – he came in, replaced Spencer Rattler in the Texas game, was phenomenal, mm-hmm. led them to victory, followed it up with a great game against, albeit a down TCU, but was very good. Yep. And then remember, they were losing at Kansas. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. It was the fourth <laughs> quarter, and it was like, this is going to happen. And then, look, he had some big runs, some big plays in that yeah. game. He lit up Texas Tech, and then Dave Aranda absolutely just – School ate his lunch. Caleb Williams. He yeah. he didn't know what to do. Following game against Iowa State, even though they won, uh, he struggled there too. So I think it's gonna be some ups and downs. Look, he's got a lot of weapons to throw to. I think the offensive line is an issue. And I'll say this: the way that the Heisman Trophy has trended recently, you really have to blow people's socks off, Lamar Jackson style, Robert Griffin the Third style, Tim Tebow style. If you're winning this Heisman Trophy mm-hmm. and you're not on the, a top. On a playoff team, which I think is absolutely what USC is, your numbers have to be absolutely through the roof. So I I, I understand the love for Caleb Williams, but uh, no thank you. I actually made a Heisman Trophy bet. Oh, did you? Okay, I'm, I'm a little curious to a find little out. bit of a long shot. All right, uh, I've mentioned it on the show, and I finally pulled the trigger today because I was looking around at you know some of the odds. I put in a sixty to one at Westgate on Jackson Smith and Jigba. The Ohio State mm. wide receiver. Now, look, it's a long shot for a reason. You know, it was, uh, I think, based off of unit size, it was like a quarter of a unit. But it's 60 to 1 with a wide receiver like Jackson Smith and Jigba, who is just so dynamic. And the to me, Ohio State's offense is is unstoppable. I I, I bet them win total over a ten and a half over the weekend, minus one seventy five at Bet MGM, Femi. I, I don't know how this team's gonna be slowed down. Now you look at the other wide receivers, Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, you look at the backfield and Travion Henderson, obviously C.J. Stroud certainly is, the, I think, the rightful favorite to win mm-hmm. the Heisman Trophy, but I think Jackson Smith and Jigba has the potential to go Devontae Smith on this you know, on this season, and, and then maybe he gets the Heisman Trophy. A part of this is based off of the fact that Smith did win the award over Mac Jones, yeah. and that's why I kind of said, you know what, 60-1, to 1, he's such a dynamic player, and I'm also basing this off of this. Week one, the biggest profile game. I'm not say it's the best game, but the highest profile game, mm-hmm. Ohio State, Notre Dame. 100%. Ohio State's going to light them up. They're going to put up a ton of points. And I think Jackson Smith and Jigba, especially with the struggles that Notre Dame has at the cornerback position, as we saw in the Fiesta Bowl, I think there's a the potential he's going to have a massive game in front of everybody. It's going to be one of the most watched games in the entire college football season, Femi. So I think if 60-1... to one, I don't know if it's ever going to be higher than that. 
So that's why I rolled with a long shot on Smith and Jigba to win the Heisman Trophy. I don't hate it at all because I'm all in on Ohio State. I don't ever bet Ohio State at 6-1 to one and at 5-1 to one to win the national title. I love the Buckeyes. I think they're going to average 50 points a game this season. I don't see a team in the Big Ten that can stop them. My only worry with Smith and Jigba is that that wide receiver room is so deep with Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Abuka, Washington kid, shout out to him, didn't go to UW, but hey, you know what? <laughs> I guess it all makes sense. I understand why you go to Ohio State over Washington, but the reason why Devontae Smith won that award was because when Jalen Waddell went down early in the yep. season, it was just the drop-off from Smith to then John Mechie and the rest of those guys, it was a little bit bigger than what I think you'll see at Ohio State. So Smith and Jigba could put up those numbers. I think he's actually better than Olave and Wilson, so I do like that aspect for you there. Uh, a guy that I'm interested in, is Bijan Robinson at Texas? Because I think he's the best running back in the country. As much as I love Travion Henderson, I think Bijan Robinson, best running back in the country. Steve Sarkeesian does a really terrific job of getting his best players to football. We talk about Devontae Smith. I think Bijan Robinson in Texas, which is the second favorite to win the Big 12. I don't think there'd be a playoff team, but I think they can win enough games. And the numbers that he puts up could be video game esque. So I think Bijan Robinson at 20 to 1. Could be interesting to win the Heisman. That's Femi of MFA. I'm Tim Murray. More to come on the other side here on VC. This is the Nightcap on VSN, the sports betting network. Keep it rolling here on the nightcap alongside Femi Abebefe. I am Tim Murray. Sean is uh, on morning duties this week, so he is uh, getting up early. Is um, he a morning guy? Um, I don't know what Sean is. I, I don't know if he's a morning guy. I don't know if he's, he's a, a cigar guy. He's a cigar guy. Yeah, there we go. He's, uh, he's a, a USF backer for some reason. Um, <laughs> good luck. Good luck. Ian McDonald rolling with, uh, he just tweeted us. He's doubling down. Go for it. Most production returning, according to Bill Conley, in the country, uh, I believe, is uh, is BYU. But we will see. Uh, week one, it'll be a, that'll be a fun one to watch. A um, couple things I want to hit on here. Uh, we mentioned Will Anderson and uh, his odds. I think have got. I think it's got a little out. I think he's, in my opinion, priced out. Yeah, um, I, I get it. I think he's the best player in college football. You said it during the break too. I'm not mm-hmm. trying to steal your thunder, but oh no, uh, you know. Pound for pound, using you know boxing or UFC terms, I think he's the best player in the country. Uh, very well, could be the number one overall pick. Probably not, considering the quarterback needs and the quarterback class. That's Would have been this out. past year, though. He's he's incredible. Uh, he's spectacular football player, and uh, I won't bet him to win Heisman Trophy. But I do want to bring up a quote that he had today at SEC Media Day. Obviously, this off season has led to uh, interesting uh, back and forth between Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher, and Will Anderson was asked about Jimbo Fisher's comments, and he said, quote, I watched it, I saw, I don't really get into social media stuff. When we play Texas A&M, everything will be addressed there. (laughs) Good luck. Good luck, Aggies. (laughs) They are going to get rolled. Texas A&M beat Alabama last year, (laughs) and now they have poked the bear in uh, in Alabama, who that, I mean that that roster, and I, I know I've mentioned the past couple nights. I mean that roster is so loaded. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a reason why they. I just saw that their number ticked down again today at DraftKings, now down to plus one seventy five to win the title. Oh my gosh! I mean it's July, and it's plus one seventy five. 
And, you know, to me, I, I would be surprised, Femi, if anybody other than Ohio State or Alabama won the title this year. That includes Georgia. Mm-hmm. That includes Clemson. Texas A&M recruited their butts off, you know, this past year. But, you know, to me, it, it's, it's those two or, or nobody else. I, I would be very surprised. And Yeah, I'd be stunned. Honestly, like just like what you mentioned, like they're so far and away better than everybody else. It's almost reminiscent to when Trevor Lawrence was at Clemson. It was the the Clemson Alabama teams that were just okay. Yeah. You can just put them in to the to championship game. They're going to both make the playoff and they'll both win their semifinals by 100 points. Uh, I think that's a similar setup here with Ohio State and Alabama. Now I'm going to go to war with Ohio State just because I think their offense is so prolific. And also the number as well. It's six to one, five to one are the two numbers. Yeah, those are good numbers. And it's like they're not going to be that big of a dog when they play Alabama. Alabama will probably be favored in the game if they happen to get there. We all think they're going to get there. But um, to get back to the A&M situation, there's going to be, and we talked about it during the break, that week of that game is going to be so much hype about Saban and Jimbo and all the stuff. Like, he beats up on his assistants and what Jimbo said and then what Saban said about all the paying the players and all this hoopla. I think after five possessions, the game will be over. Alabama is going to come out with their hair on fire. Bryant-Denny Stadium is going to be so damn loud to where A&M is not going to know what hit them in that game. Do they have a look ahead on a, a, a... a game of the year on that one? Yeah, uh, it's 16 and a half. Uh, Alabama laying 16 and a half at DraftKings. Uh, you know what I'll say is, <laughs> speaking of look-aheads, and we do this on the show, mm-hmm. um, you know, letdown spots or look-ahead spots. So October 8th is a game that's everybody circled, right? It's, it's the, everyone's focusing in on Texas A&M, Alabama. Texas A&M beat them last year in a mm-hmm. crazy game. You know, revenge, all of that. Week prior for Alabama, on the road at Fayetteville, where they'll be two plus touchdown favorite, 15 and a half. <laughs> In a road conference game. <laughs> Arkansas last year, four and one ATS as an underdog. That could be a sleepy spot for Alabama. Not yeah. saying they'd lose, but they'll be looking ahead. Yeah. A hundred percent. Those are college kids. They'll be looking ahead to what's on the horizon. Sam and Pittman be Texas will, will, is, is a really good coach in those types of spots. I, I think that will be a, it, one to key in on October first, Bama at Arkansas with Texas A and M the following week. I think that could be a, a a sleepy game there for the Crimson Tide. Maybe a first half look for Arkansas, depending on what that number yeah. would be. If you, even though betting against Alabama in first halves is it's not it, profitable, it's usually a horrendous <laughs> decision uh, to make. So you mentioned Will Anderson. We talked about him to win the Heisman Trophy uh, in 2012. Manti Teo of Notre Dame finished second in the Heisman mm. Trophy to Johnny Manziel, and today I was walking my dog, went up to Mount Charleston, did a nice hike uh, with my dog, and the trailer of the upcoming Untold, which is the Netflix series uh, that gave you the malice in the palace and and, and those types of documentaries, Mm -hmm. it's going to be on Manti Teo and the catfishing situation. Yes. And the irony of it is, my dog is named Manti. That's incredible. I named my dog after Manti Teo. So let me give you a little backstory yeah, here. Let's so, see, I'm, I'm curious. So 2012 this. is the best Notre Dame football season they've had since 1993, which is when they lost to Boston College after they beat Florida State and uh, you know came up short to win the national championship because of that loss to Tom Coughlin's Boston College team. So for about 20 years, Notre Dame had just 
you know, swimming around every once in a while. They pop up, get top 10 or whatever. You know, it was really bumpy. That year, they go undefeated. It's, you know, Manti Teo's, you know, Heisman runner-up. Mm-hmm. And they ultimately lose to Alabama in the uh, national championship. But they were the biggest story in college football, though, that whole year. They were the only undefeated team. Yeah, only undefeated team. If RG3 doesn't beat Kansas State, I think Notre Dame's the national champion because they play Kansas State instead of Alabama. No respect for Colin Klein or whatever. The, his no, team. no, I think we would I think we would have got it done there. But regardless, uh, Alabama mopped the floor with Notre Dame yeah. as, as they are one to do, one by four touchdowns. So... Um, I didn't have a dog at the time. I was engaged. My, my now wife, um, we're like, hey, we're going to get a dog. Uh, and she wanted to do a first look at our wedding, which mm-hmm. for those who are unaware, it's when you take the pictures before the wedding. I'm like, yeah. no, I'm, I'm old school. I want to do it after the wedding. She's like, no, I'd really like to do this. I'm like, all right, here's the deal. When we get our dog, because we were planning on getting our dog shortly after getting married, we're naming the dog Manti, fresh off of the the season, you know, all this craziness, how great he was. So fast forward to like February, whenever the story comes out, I think Deadspin broke it. I'm sitting in my car. I'm getting these texts. And I'm like, screw it. We're keeping the name. It's a story, whatever. <laughs> so if anyone ever says anything, I've got a fake dog too named Lene Kakua <laughs> sitting at home. All right. So spin- I was going to say, well, I wanted, I wanted yeah. to ask you a follow-up there. Cause did you consider changing no, the name? No, I was all never, in. You never wavered. All in, man. I, oh, I had no. negotiated this out with the wife. I'm in. You said, this was my end of the deal. I'm getting it. Yes. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> and now no one even thinks bats an eye. Now with the Netflix you know, documentary coming out, certainly, uh, I go. think it'll rethink, rethink things. But, uh, you know, I just quickly say, yeah, yeah. You don't see my other dog, Lene? She's right there. <laughs> um, well, let's spin it into... I don't know how Manti feels about we'll that, sp- <laughs> spin it into uh, Spin it into Notre Dame this year. Win total sitting at 8.5 at DraftKings. There's a lot mm-hmm. of uncertainty with the Irish this year. They're going to be a 14-plus underdog week one. I give them no shot in week one, I'll be honest. Uh, I think the big pivotal points of the season, uh, a neutral site game here in Las Vegas against BYU. BYU brings back a ton of production. Obviously, a Clemson game where it's around a pick em And week... The final week of the season at USC. What is USC? So all four of those games, I think, are, are rather toss-ups. They're a favorite in the look-ahead market against BYU, against USC. UNC could be tricky. Yeah, I was uh, going to ask about that. On one. the that road, little... Boston College. They their offensive line is in disarray. They just lost their left tackle, so they're they're not do, you know doing so hot. I think those. I think the tricky one would be UNC outside of the other four. You know, for Notre Dame, I think it all comes down to this. Their offensive line is going to be fantastic. They brought back Harry Heastand, who is their elite offensive line yep. coach, Mike McGlinchey, uh, you know, Quentin Nelson, Zach, all those Zach guys, Martin. Zach Martin. All of them were under the tutelage of Harry Heastand. He's back. Uh, they're going to bump out Jared Patterson to guard. Uh, he was, you know, one of the best centers in the country. He goes to guard. That is their best formation at line. Uh, the running back room is is light. They got some injuries there uh, with Logan Diggs, and then of course Kyron Williams going to the pros. Wide receivers are interesting. I think Lorenzo Styles is the guy to watch. He's really really talented. High four star guy entering year two. Defense should be solid. Um, I, I I think the two biggest questions are this: Tyler Buckner at quarterback. Haven't really seen him throw all that much. Was a high four star guy, but ran more than through last year. And then the elephant in the room. Is, that, is Marcus Freeman a good head coach? That's who I was going to ask you about. I was like, you're talking about all these personnel guys. We don't what know. about the coach? I mean, Brian Kelly, you know, say whatever you will about him. You know, Brian Kelly and Notre Dame hadn't lost a game straight up as a favorite since 2000 and I think it was 17. 
Wow. I mean, it, it's a remarkable run. They always were found ways to win their games that they were supposed to win. So eight and a half, probably right. I would lean towards the over there, winning one of those toss-up games, but we'll see. A lot of questions about the Irish heading into uh, 2022. I want to ask you about Freeman on the other side when we come back. All right, we'll do that. We'll wrap things up as well. That's Femi Abebefe. I'm Tim Murray. It is the Nightcap here on Visa. This is the Nightcap on VSIN. These. At Bed 365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare sports betting network The VEASAN Summer Special is here. For only $19, you get everything VEASAN has to offer from now to the end of the month. Sign up today and you'll get VEASAN's daily best bets. That includes Adam Burke's daily MLB best bets, NFL preseason coverage, premium articles on golf, UFC, and NASCAR. If you want that full VEASAN experience, which features daily best bets, email, every edition of Point Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools, and a live video stream whenever you want it that costs only $19 to be a subscriber through July 31st. Sign up now, vcin.com slash summer. Alongside Femi Abebefe, I'm Tim Murray, wrapping things up. The look ahead coming up next here on vcin as the All-Star Game goes to the American League yet again, the ninth consecutive time for the American League to get the victory. They went 3-2, to two, the under-hitting again as well. 13 out of the last 16 All-Star Games have gone under. John Carlos Stanton, your MVP. All right, Femi, uh, we were just chatting yes. about the Irish. Win total sitting at eight and a half. Uh, massive underdog week one. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly some toss-up games uh, as the season goes on. Uh, so what is your what is your question about the uh, the new head man? That my, is Marcus My burning Freeman. question yeah. about the Notre Dame fighting Irish. Well, it's just that I'm curious about this dynamic of going from Brian Kelly to Marcus Freeman because Kelly, it's – he doesn't seem like he's the most warm mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. And the dynamic between he and the players almost felt like a, they didn't hate him. I doubt they hated him, but maybe they just tolerated him. And he's, hey, this is a guy that can help us win, help me get to the next level if I have NFL aspirations. To where Marcus Freeman, I really took notice about when the head coaching search got underway, the players were really campaigning mm-hmm. for him to be the head coach. How much do you put into that to where maybe we become more bullish on Freeman, even though we've never seen him be a head coach? And this is a hot seat, a high-profile job to be taking over as your first time. 
Is there something to read into how the players were campaigning and really wanting him to be that head guy for them? Or is that just kind of just they know him, they're familiar with him, that's why they love him because they just they know his first name and they know, and he knows their first names? Yeah, I mean, I, I think – look, I'll, I'll say this. I think Notre Dame made the right hire. I, I think it, mm. things could have fallen apart, both recruiting inside that locker room uh, if they had gone outside. Um, but – Sometimes making a hire based off of what players want is, is might not be the best. Thing. Is not the best thing. Yeah. Um, but he, I'll say this for Marcus Freeman. He's obviously done. He's won the off season in this regard, right? The recruiting has has been phenomenal, which is what Notre Dame fans have been clamoring for. Brian Kelly was always fine at recruiting. You know, was said they didn't really like doing it. Um, but <laughs> you know, they're number one right now. They won't stay number one. I think they'll probably be in that four to five range. But if you look at you know composite rankings mm-hmm. uh the recruiting class that they have already committed at notre dame now they're not signed on the dotted line they're all verbal gotta uh, keep recruiting those kids <laughs> is is the best recruiting class would surpass any recruiting class that brian kelly brought in over his wow. tenure um you know my questions i think and i think everybody especially if you're gonna be betting the irish this year how is he as an in-game coach yes the one sample size albeit small they were up 21 points in the Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma State. They squandered that lead. And I thought he made some questionable decisions being complacent at the end of the half. And the game kind of flipped. It was 28-14. They had all three timeouts. And he decided to kind of go into the locker room. Oklahoma State got the ball, went down and scored right away, and it changed the the tenor of that game. So, look, that's an Oklahoma State team that had uh, a big-time defense and had some playmakers, and they exposed Notre Dame uh, in that regard. So, yeah, I, I think, like I said, I think the biggest two questions for me, outside, you know, look, they have, I think, a limited number of playmakers at wide receiver, but mm-hmm. maybe that's masked by arguably the best tight end in college football in, in Michael Mayer. Uh, the defensive line will be a strength. Uh, the linebacker core will be a strength. The cornerbacks are a question. They went out and got Brandon Joseph, a uh, transfer from Northwestern, who was an All-American two years ago. So that helps bolster things up. You know, people are going to bring up the point. Well, Kyle Hamilton's gone. True, it's a big loss. Yeah, he also missed the last six games of the season. They won all those games. Mm-hmm. So I think you know, for me, and I am a homer, obviously, but I, I think I keep it pretty realistic. At eight and a half, I, I would lean towards the over. I do think you know. The BYU game is is kind of the the biggest question mark. And and what is USC? They're a slight favorite over USC on the road. Is USC I think what's gonna hurt USC potentially Femi this year is the depth, right? They have the yeah. they have the shine of the skill position players, but what if they start getting injured? You know, what's the depth like there out in Los Angeles? So maybe playing them late in the season could be beneficial to the Irish if they start getting dinged with injuries. So uh, not something I'll be honest that I'm racing to play. There's some nines out there. Um, eight and a half, I think, is is fair. I wouldn't play under eight and a half because you just look at the rest of that schedule, like Marshall, Cal, Stanford's still down, uh, Syracuse, UNLV, Navy's down. Boston College, I mentioned, is you know I think there was some buzz about them, but you know they've really got some some issues on the offensive line. So yeah, uh, that would be the way I would I would look at it. Yeah, I'm just very interested to see if. Marcus Freeman, and then he's a young head coach. He's going to take his lumps. Yeah. So you were talking about how 
the Fighting Irish haven't lost a game outright that they've been favored in since 2017. I yeah. mean, that's really impressive, not just covering against the spread, but when you're expected to win, they actually win. Yeah. Sometimes as a new head coach, maybe those things can slip up to where it's a little bit more volatile because they just haven't been in certain situations up three touchdowns, blowing the lead in the bowl game. Maybe he learns from that. I think keeping tabs on what he's doing from an in-game standpoint is really going to be key and just knowing when to bet the Irish from a week-to-week standpoint. Maybe they're a good team as an underdog and not so great as a favorite. That could end up being yeah. a situation. Yeah, and we'll see week one. You know, it's his alma mater. It's yeah. his first game. You know, oh, he'll be hyped up game for day. it. Of course. I mean, everyone's going to be hyped up for it. Are they going to be able to put the pieces together? Uh, I like the staff that they've put together. Al Washington comes over from Ohio State. He was let go. He'll be fired up. You know, they bring in Al Golden, who was uh, you know on the staff of the Bengals. He's now the defensive coordinator there. A lot of turnover. Two of their coaches, running backs coach Lance Taylor, left to be an OC at Louisville. Uh, their tight ends coach left to be the OC at Boston College. So uh, we will see. Speaking of Notre Dame, their former defensive coordinator, the gentleman who was there prior to Marcus Freeman, left for the Vanderbilt job, Clark Lee. Mm. He said today at SEC Media <laughs> Days, Femi, quote, we know in time. Vanderbilt football will be the best program in the country. <laughs> you putting some stock into Vanderbilt today? You you going to buy some uh, some futures in in the Commodores? When you sent this to our text thread, it's a text thread of Tim, myself, and our producer Aaron Oster, and I said, "Huh, I didn't know Vanderbilt reclassified to NAIA." You know, there's been a whole lot of college ball realignment. Didn't know that they went down to NAIA. I am not buying any of what he's saying. And I know he's got to say, no, he didn't have to say it. But but yeah, he didn't have to go that far. But he's not going to say, hey, we're bad, lower expectations, maybe set our win total at three and a half. He's not going to say that. Their win total's two and a half, by the way. So yeah, maybe even go lower than what my number is. But it's just, it's just taking it too far. And I know he's trying to fire up a fan base and and boosters, maybe, and and students on, on campus. But it just wasn't necessary at all. It was not necessary. Vanderbilt is never going to be a football program. College football is a haves and have-not sport. They're one of the have-nots when it comes to football. Academics, they're one of the haves. Yeah. Football, have-not. Baseball, haves. They're a have, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Vandy boys, you know? And then the baseball team's really, really good out there in Nashville. But they're just not a football program. And I know it was James Franklin. He was out there in Vanderbilt. There was a little bit of buzz for a second. I mean, but, James Franklin <laughs> but it, was, was a magic man for what he was able to, uh, to and, pull off at Vanderbilt. And those teams were nowhere close to being the best in the country. No. I think they had, if I remember correctly, there was a, they were like started 4-0. They played Alabama. They are like, bring on Bama. They lost like 63 to nothing or something like that. Uh, oh, by the way, they showed up. <laughs> speaking of the Commodores and the best football program in the country soon to be, they do get the late-night Hawaii game in Week 0. Uh-oh. My eyes are going to be all over Vanderbilt, laying six and a half. National, national stage. At Hawaii, Week <laughs> 1, that late-night get-back game. So there you go. Oh, my uh, Vanderbilt uh, on the uptick, apparently, uh, according to head coach Clark Lee. All right, wrapping things up. Scott Seidenberg coming up next with the look ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, tomorrow, no baseball. Uh, there's a WNBA game. It'll what? be over by the time we get out of bed. All right, WNBA. Let's get the uh, let's get the line here. Um, I think last I saw the Storm were catching three in Chicago. There you go, Chicago laying three tomorrow, mm-hmm. noon Eastern, nine a.m. Pacific tip time. The only WNBA game on the roster on the schedule. The only. Is that the only sports game we've it's got? The only, it's the only team sports. What, game el- what else have. can we bet on tomorrow? I know. I'm looking at the odds board here. It's it's. All right. It's, it's looking barren. 
Oh, they had the UEFA Women's Euro. Also an early game sure. for us here. Are we in the knockout stage on that, or are we still in the group stage? Do we know, Aaron? Uh, he's yes. Saying, oh, he says yes, we're still in the... <laughs> uh, Doug Kazarian, if you're watching, let us know what to bet. Uh, Seattle yeah, and we'll Chicago find tomorrow. We'll so, find something. Uh, that is coming up tomorrow. Uh, we will be back tomorrow in our normal spot. We will continue our summer conditioning with yes. the NFC West. Thanks to Sam Munson. Thanks to Jennifer Lee Chan. Thanks to Todd Furman. Thanks to Aaron Oster, our entire production team. For Femi Abebefe, I'm Tim Murray. Scott Seidenberg, The Look Ahead, coming up next right here on Visa. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare